Has it ever occurred to you just how incredible grapes are? Now think about it. That little box of raisins your mother packed in your lunch bag was the only fruit that qualified as a dessert. And consider this. When we hear juicy gossip, we say we heard it through the grapevine. We didn't hear it through the apple tree or the berry bush. Grapes are so darn special that the grocery store expects us to snitch a few to ensure quality control. Try doing that with a banana or a pineapple. Admit it, every encounter you've ever had with grapes has been positive. That's why we created Grape Encounters, a place for adults to hang out and focus on the paramount achievement of grapedom. Delicious, irresistible wine. Wine brings people together. It starts conversations. It makes us happy. In fact, wherever there are grapes, there's gorgeous scenery, very cool people, and plenty of laughter. All that being said, let's bring out your guide for this journey. The Wizard of Wine, the Gangster of Grape, David Wilson. Let me start today's show by telling you that I can honestly say that I just love doing this show. I've been doing it for 15 years. It's been such a pleasure. And generally speaking, when I sit down in this chair and we start our conversation, it's just an hour of pure enjoyment for me. And I hope it's an hour of enjoyment for you as well. But, you know, sometimes we get serious and I don't feel like I want to steer around serious topics. And there aren't that many that pop up where wine is concerned, but they're there. And there are sometimes when I think the show isn't as good as it could have been because I might have missed something. And then there are times when we sign off and I go, oh my gosh, that just evolved into something really amazing. It's like when you have a guest on the show that you don't really know and you get a sense that it's not going to be as interesting as you hope it's going to be, but we're going to do the best job we can. And then magic happens and we have the most compelling conversations. And that is such a pleasure when that happens. But there are also times when you sit down to the microphone and you're almost panic stricken because you're having a hard time wrapping your arms around a topic that you feel is very important to share with your audience. But how you approach it is everything and making sure that you get all of the information out there, you know, can be a difficult challenge. And so about 10 days ago, I started thinking about this particular show because there is a topic that has been rattling in my head and it's something that we talk about, but I don't think we talk about it as seriously as we probably should because it has everything to do with whether you're going to like or dislike certain shows that I do. So the more I thought about this topic, the more frustrated I became. And I finally started calling some friends who are in the industry, people whose opinions really matter to me. And you know, despite the fact that these are really super smart people, I came away from those conversations feeling very unfulfilled and feeling that maybe I won't be able to do a great job sharing this with you because it's just too complicated. And I'll kind of get you into this by sharing a thought about a commercial 
campaign in the U.S. that has been very popular. You know, I came to Italy three months ago, and before that, I can't remember when the commercial campaign on television started running, but it's been on for a long time now, and I both love it and hate it. It's a campaign for progressive insurance. And I, if you watch TV, you know what I'm talking about. It's this guy who is teaching a group of people how not to become their parents. And it, I, I don't know how old you all are out there, but as you get older, you do start realizing that you're doing stuff that used to bug the heck out of you when you were a kid, that your parents did. And it's so true. We start to evolve into these people who raised us, even though we said, gosh knows how many times, I'm never going to be my parents, right? There was a night not too terribly long ago, I got up in the middle of the night to use the restroom, and just as I was getting ready to turn the light switch off and go back to bed, I glanced in the mirror, and there was my father standing there. That wasn't my father at the age he's at right now, but it was my father from some years ago, and I uh, started to panic a little bit about it, but then I eventually came to the realization that that's just something that's going to happen unless I have plastic surgery and uh, do some other things to differentiate myself from him. But the reason I bring this up is because we were talking a couple of weeks ago very seriously about how the wine industry has changed and how things that were at one point seemingly unimaginable, and now they're a big part of our wine life. You know, things like screw-on caps on wine bottles. I swore many years ago that I would never, ever drink a wine with a screw cap, and, you know, now I kind of embrace it. I was never going to drink wine out of a box, but now I see lots of benefits to doing that. Uh, there are varietals that I would never have consumed before that I drink down. All of these things that I'm saying apply to you as well. And so that audience that I came to know quite well 15 years ago has changed just like the products have changed. And you have to sometimes step back and say, wait a second, am I dialed in where my audience is concerned? And how do they feel about things now compared to how you felt about it, you know, a decade? decade ago. And so that's what was bugging me is is that I really feel like things have changed and are changing in our world so fast that we have to reassess constantly and I didn't have that feeling before. And it kind of makes you panic, you know, and every once in a while somebody writes you a letter. I shared one the other day. A woman said that I was talking too much about certain things and I needed to talk more about wine instead and I don't know. I I tried to take her message to heart. I really definitely did. But here's where it gets super complicated. And so we're going to get into a very interesting topic in just a second, which is how much should you pay for wine and what is a value and what is not a value? And how do we even assess these things? Because take this into consideration. There are literally tens of thousands of people that are making wine. And let's just say that the average winemaking operation is making six different varietals of wines or blends or whatever. But let's say they focus on six. Some of them, it could be 20. Some, it could be two. But if you take the number of wines that each individual winemaker is making and you add together all of those wineries and their output, the number is absolutely staggering, no pun intended. And how do we make choices? Because if you think about it, there probably aren't more than a few products, consumables, 
that we buy that have a larger selection than wine. And what makes it a lot worse is the fact that so many of these wines are just foreign to us. In fact, I would say that to the average consumer, probably 96, 97, 98% of the wine that is sold is just an unknown. And it's not cheap either, right? Now, the average price that you are paying right now for a bottle of wine is about 10 to 15 dollars. But for that, you're going to get a wine that is rated at average. And so you see the challenge for any of us who are out here talking wine, writing about wine, the lion's share of the wine being consumed is inexpensive and rated as average. And if we're talking about the star system, and by the way, we have companies like Google and uh, Yelp to thank for, you know, five-star ratings. But if you are talking about five-star ratings, you're talking about wine and those average wines between 10 and $15, the rating is about 3.6 stars, okay? That's average. If we go back to school, that's a C. But yet, strangely, most of the population is buying C wine, okay? That means probably that most of the population is either feeling unfulfilled or maybe it just plain doesn't matter because you don't have enough taste buds on your tongue to be able to differentiate a $150 bottle of wine from a $10 bottle of wine. And I will tell you something, if you taste a wine and you feel completely lost and you go, well, I don't get it. I don't get these things that they're saying they taste in the wine. You are one of the luckiest people. Consider yourself fortunate because anything is going to be fine by you. Uh, Either that or you're not going to like it, period. And so you're going to drink something else. And and you know what? That's okay too, right? So we're going to come back in just a second. And I'm going to share with you some numbers that I've been crunching, some statistics that I have come across that I think are going to really get you thinking very differently about what you're putting in your wine glass. I really think this is going to be a mind blower for you. And also today, I'm going to share with you a very serious topic. It's health related. It has everything to do with wine. And it's something that impacts millions and millions of people on the planet. And it also involves me personally. And I just have not talked about this before, but I do want to talk about it today. So we got a lot of ground to cover and we will cover it right here on Grape Encounters Radio. You're listening to Grape Encounters with David Wilson. We offer something for everyone. Unfortunately, we're not allowed to offer free wine. That's what your friends are for. At MM Organics, we're surrounded by health nuts. That's because we're obsessed with lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, and the risk of cancer. We want to make weight loss easier and help you strengthen everything from your heart to your teeth, nails, and hair. Full disclosure, those health nuts are actually dry-farmed heirloom certified organic raw walnuts. Rich with essential vitamins and nutrients, they're vastly superior to other nuts. Imagine 
Walnuts can actually lower stress and boost your brain power. No wonder MM Organics customers are so darn smart. MMOrganics.com is where you'll find our uniquely irresistible raw walnuts, walnut butter, oil and flour, sprouted flavored walnuts, and decadent fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, which pair beautifully with our legendary two horse port style wine. MMOrganics.com eating any other nuts is just plain nuts. And this edition of Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine and More. You know, one of the absolute best ways I'm able to discover the latest and greatest Cabernet, Chardonnay, or artisan spirit is to go exploring at Total Wine and More. A whole lot more. Like the smile of an expert eager to help you find a new favorite. And the confidence of knowing there's something special everywhere you look. Plus, the freedom to discover a mind-blowing selection at totally low prices online at TotalWine.com where you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Please drink responsibly. Be 21. Holy smoke, we take a little break and then all of a sudden this huge thunderstorm kicks in here in eastern Italy, the Abruzzo region, that's where we broadcast from right now, and it is coming down in buckets outside and I really do hope that it does not knock us off the air because weather can be uh, very menacing here, uh, that's for sure. And this is literally the largest storm that I've encountered since I've been here. It is just coming down in buckets right now. But anyway, uh, hopefully we'll stay on the air and let's get back into this discussion about wine values because it's really perplexing to me since most of my audience is drinking wine that is probably between the $15 and $20 price. But there's amazing wines out there that we'd all love to be drinking, or most of us certainly would love to be drinking, that are $500. And what makes this thing so crazy is that when you compare the rating that a wine receives versus the price that the wine is selling for, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. You know, I started doing some research about a week or so ago on this topic. And frankly, even though I've been talking about wine for a very long time, I didn't really realize that the disparity between rating and price was as big as it is. And it's not just big, guys. It is huge. And so we got to talk about this because I know for a fact that the lion's share of the people who are listening to my show are spending somewhere between, let's say, $15 and $25 for a bottle. We know that because statistics showed that that is overwhelmingly where people are at when it comes to buying wine. And yeah, sure, there are great wines out there, $100, $150, $300. We sell wines in California for way over $1,000. It's amazing the price that some wines can bring. But I came across this study, I guess I'll call it a study, that was put out by Vivino, which is the largest source of wine ratings. And they use a five-point scoring system. And we're all very familiar with that scoring system because it's used on Yelp, it's used on Google. I don't particularly like it for a lot of reasons. But let's just use it to make a point here, okay? So Vivino says this. They say that the average rated wine is 3.6 stars, 3.6 stars. 
and that a 4.0 rated wine is equivalent to a 90 point expert rating. And let's break that down for a second because I can assure you that for the most part, if you find a wine that's rated 90 points or above, it's probably going to be pretty good. And if it's over 95, it's going to be overwhelmingly good, probably. There are exceptions to that. Bavino also says that a 4.0 rated wine is better than 85% of the wines on the planet and that a 4.5 Vivino rated wine is better than 99% of the wines on the planet. And by the way, I do want to say this. I chose to share this information with you because I have not seen anything quite this comprehensive. And as I understand it, Vivino collects information from a lot of different wine merchants and a lot of different sources, and they collect millions of prices for millions of different wines. Although I don't know if there are actually millions of different wines. In fact, I should say this, that there are approximately 65,000 wineries in the world And so I speculate anyway, this is a wild stab in the dark, but it's a probably a conservative number. I'd say that the average winery makes somewhere around, you know, six to 10 different wines, but let's just go with the six for a second. Even if those 65,000 wineries make six bottles of wine a piece, you know, we're talking about 400,000 roughly bottles of wine that you have to choose from. And there is no other consumer product that I can think of where you have that broad a number of products to select. I mean, think about how crazy that is. If we had 400,000 cars to choose from or 400,000 different types of ketchup, I mean, it's mind-blowing when you think about it. But let's just look at this a little bit further, all right? They say that at least according to their statistics, they say an average bottle of red wine has a 3.6 rating. I mentioned that. But the cost of that bottle of wine, that red wine, is $15.66. Right there in the sweet spot that everybody talks about when we're talking about wine prices. They go on to say that a very good bottle of wine is a 4.0 rating and it costs, on average, $32.48. And even better wines become exponentially more expensive. So 3.6, bottle of red wine, 1566, 4.0, 32.48. And that would be $16.00. And what is it? 82 cents higher, which if you want to do the math on it, and I did, that's a 107.41 increase in price. And again, it's 3.6 versus 4.0. Now I did the math on that. And it turns out that if you convert that five star system to a hundred point system so that you can you know, kind of try to equate it to the scale that experts use, the difference between 3.6 and 4.0 is really very slight. And and here's what I did. I said, okay, if it's a five-point system, a five-star system, then if we change it to a hundred-point system, then here's what it would look like. Every point would be 20 points meaning that a one star would be 20, 
Two stars would be 40, three stars would be 60, four stars would be 80, and five stars would be 100. That seems fair, right? Except they use percentages after the decimal point. So let's say 3.6. Well, I did the math, and it turns out that everything to the right of the decimal point, every point, or fraction of a point, I should say, is two points, meaning that a 3.6, the three would become 60, and the 0.6 would become 12. So you add those two together, 60 plus 12, 72. So think about it, you know, go back to school and remember your report card and your grades on tests. 72 would be average. It would be a C. So that makes sense. So a 4.0 would be 80, and that's good, but not great. Very good would be a 4.5, and let's do the conversion again. That would be 80 plus 10. It would be 90. So 4.5 is a 90 score, and then, you know, finally, well, let's take a slightly less than perfect score. A 4.8 would be 80 plus 16, so that's 96. Makes perfectly good sense, right? So... Hold on to that thought because we're going to come back in just a second and then we're going to compare those scores to prices and you're going to be shocked. And then in the last segment, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do about it. Okay, we'll be back with Grape Encounters right after this. Smoke from increasing wildfires is tainting wine grapes and vineyard executives are looking for new ways to adapt. Pure Fresh Wines O3 technology helps vineyards overcome the problems caused by wildfire smoke by treating grapes pre-crush to improve fermentation and overall wine quality, as well as removing smoke taint. For the typical winery, saving a full harvest of grapes with Pure Fresh Wine costs only 10 cents per bottle. O3 technology has been approved by the FDA and USDA. It leaves no residue and uses no chemicals. It provides many benefits to wineries, including the removal of sulfur, pesticides, and fungicides pre-crush, the reduction of bad bacteria and mold issues, an improvement in roundness and fruit-forward palate notes, and so much more. Most importantly, it safely and naturally breaks down smoke taint molecules to save grapes from damage. Rescue your harvest from smoke taint. Visit purefreshwine.com today. When you discover a new favorite bottle of Chardonnay, sparkling wine, or artisan spirit at Total Wine & More, you'll discover a whole lot more. Like the friendly smile of an expert guide, ready to help you find that perfect bottle. And the confidence of knowing you just found something really special. Explore the wondrous selection and totally low prices at TotalWine.com, where you'll find what you love and love what you find. Please drink responsibly. Be 21. This edition of Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine and More. When you discover a new favorite bottle of Chardonnay, sparkling wine, or craft spirit at Total Wine and More, you'll discover a whole lot more. Like the confidence of knowing you just found something really special. So explore the wondrous selection at TotalWine.com, where you'll find what you love and love what you find. Please drink responsibly. Be 21. I looked at this data the first time and I said, this can't be right. This doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And I studied it for a while and then I just put it aside, walked away. 
Then I started doing some math, and I must admit that math was not one of my best subjects. But I got through it because I cheated just a little bit. I didn't copy off anybody else's paper. I just found this way of kind of calculating answers by, you know, sort of trial and error. But that's another story. At least I'm admitting the truth. But this data is put out by Vivino, and they are a pretty good source of data when it comes to uh, wine consumption. And they don't have anything to gain by twisting the figures one way or another. But when you look at the rating on wines and then the price, it is incredible because it curves up exponentially, which is so counterintuitive to the way we do business in America, at least. This is the world. But usually, if you spend more, you get more proportionally because you get rewarded for the more that you spend. But in the case of wine, it's ridiculous. And I think it's why so many wine consumers are precluded from drinking the really good stuff. It's because these numbers are so skewed. Now, I told you what I did. I took the five-point star system or rating system, and I converted it to a hundred-point system. Now, I do want to say this, that that's not going to be perfect by any means, because I know that from judging competitions, the only thing that really matters is 90 to 100. And if you're down in the 80s, nobody seems to care, even though a high 80 score can be really super good. We have great reverence for 90 scores, but let's say you've got a 89 and a half. You might as well have a 30 for some people. It's Oh my gosh, it's in the 80s. I'm not going to, I can't buy that. I can't, it's in the 80s. Anyway, 3.6 is average and the median price on a bottle of red wine is $15.66. And for a white wine, it's $14.41, okay? And now we go up just a fraction of a point. 0.1 and 15.66 becomes 17.99 and you go up another fraction of a point and it's 21.21 and another fraction of a point where at 3.9 it's 26.60 okay remember that riddle that they used to do uh, people used to use uh, it really fooled you it was what would you rather have a million dollars or would you rather have a penny and double it every day remember that So (laughs) I'm just going to throw something at you here, all right? If an average rating is 3.6 and a truly outstanding rating is 4.8, so 1.2 higher, what do you think the average price is for that 4.8? Are you sitting down? The average price for the 4.8 is $528.82 on average, on average. Now, just to go back to my calculations for a second, um, you know, I told you what I did. I just took the five-point system and I converted it to a hundred-point system. And when I did that, I'm going to just repeat what I did. I said that every star, every point was worth 20. And it makes sense. That means that a 3.0 is a 60 and a 4.0 is an 80. And let's just throw a 4.5 in there. It's a 90. And then a 4.8, which is about as high as you can get 
for an otherworldly wine is 96 points. And that, you know, kind of makes sense, right? It could be skewed a little bit. But gosh, when you look at the change in price, it is just crazy. Because let's take a white wine as an example. A white wine that is rated 3.6 is $14.41. If it's a 4 instead of a 3.6, it's now selling for $24.94. That's 73% higher. But if you jump to a 4.5, you jump to a 4.5, the bottle of wine, that $14.41 price tag, goes up to $129.71, which is an 800% increase in price. And it's not even a full star, right? It's an eight-time, eight-fold increase. Does that even make any sense? Now you take that 4.5 for the white wine and go to 4.8, and now the wine is $280. Now, admittedly, the increase proportionally between white wines and red wines is quite different. The white wines do not go up nearly as much as the red wines do. But gosh, you know, the swing from 3.6 on the red wines to 4.8 it goes from $15.66 to $528.82. You want to know how much higher that is? It's 32.77 times higher or an average of 3,276%. And I don't want to point the finger at anybody here because I'm not sure I understand and I'm going to dig a lot deeper where this is concerned. I'm not sure how these prices are being determined. You know, how do they decide how much something's going to cost on the shelf? Because I do think that for the most part, it's the producer that is saying we need to get this much for the wine, but I have a hard time picturing somebody saying, okay, we're uh, just not even one full point different on the star system. So we want a 3,276% increase in our pocket. (laughs) Come on, man. All right. So here's the good news. And there's, there is good news out there. And it goes like this. There are 65,000 wineries, and I said they're probably making close to six wines a piece. That's probably really super conservative. That means you've got over 400,000 wines to choose from. A lot of those wines, in fact, most of those wines aren't even getting into the rating system. They're small producers, and uh, for reasons that range from marketing to inability to get distribution, uh, some of these wines are not as easy to get your hands on, and they're not getting caught up in this exponential price increase thing that's going on. So imagine how many wines are out there that just have not yet really been discovered that are absolutely as good as those 4.5 or 4.8 wines, and they're selling for $12 a bottle or $15. They are out there. Now, I'm going to tell you something that I want you to do. Go over, for instance, to some place like Total Wine and More. Go to their website because people rate their wines there. And some of these wines, you know, have a, I don't know, a thousand ratings plus and 
a lot of comments. Now, I'm going to give you some advice that I think there are a lot of people in the wine business that would poo-poo it, but I really don't care what they think. There are two kinds of comments that I look for. The first comment is the one that tries to be very professional and it tells you how balanced the wine is and how varietally correct the wine is. And, you know, it's written very much in a professional tone. And then there are the comments where people become very emotional about the wine and they would do almost anything to get a bottle of that wine, they would sell their mother, they would uh, sell their soul for a bottle of the wine. They get emotional and passionate, and their comments are filled with hyperbole and praise that just overflows onto the floor. I love those comments. And if you see a lot of those, that's really the wine that I'm going to go after. But again, you know, if there are, say, 400,000 wines out there, I guarantee you that there are tens of thousands of wines that are competitive with those $100 plus wines, even $500 wines. They haven't been discovered. You'll find people writing about these special finds online. And whatever you do, don't hesitate. Buy now. No goods. Seek out great wines and buy them before they become a thing. Because in a lot of cases, they will become a thing or they'll just sell out. All right, we're going to come back with more Grape Encounters. And I'm going to share a little health-related advice to you that's very personal to me that I should have shared with you a really long time ago but didn't. And I feel bad about that. And so I'm going to take care of that next on Grape Encounters. Something amazing happened to me the other day at Total Wine and More. I found my new favorite Cabernet Sauvignon at a totally low price. As soon as I picked it up, it felt like, aha, I knew it was the one. So go explore their wondrous selection and you'll feel it too. Because at Total Wine and More, you'll find what you love and love what you find. Download the Total Wine app or visit TotalWine.com. But please drink responsibly. Be 21. want to be judgmental where the pricing of wine or any other product is concerned. We are a country that is built on supply and demand. The harder it is to get something and the better something is, the more that we want it. And that's the end of that story. But my whole point is to really say that if you can't afford the expensive wines that are supposed to be incredible, that you've never had an opportunity to taste, then there are options for you. And one of those options is to seek out great wines that are not very expensive. And there are tens of thousands of them out there. And where you're going to find them is by going onto sites where there are a lot of reviews. I mentioned Total Wines site. It's fantastic. There's 
others out there that are really super good as well. Read what consumers are writing about the wines and look for the people who are writing very passionate reviews and see if there are a lot of those kinds of reviews for a particular wine. And I think you'll find yourself some winners. Another thing that you can do is if you want to drink great wines and money is an issue, then get together with friends and share a bottle. You get together, you have a wine night and you have some modestly priced wines that are good and enjoy those. And then you share a bottle of something really great and you get to have both. Or you simply cut back on something else and drink less wine. But when you drink wine, you drink better wines. So those are the things that I can suggest to you. But there is really nothing that is more fun than finding a wine that is a sleeper that people really haven't discovered. And, you know, I'm here in the Abruzzo region of Italy. And what's really super cool about this region is they make some wines here that are just absolutely stunning, but they've had a really tough time getting these wines out of the country because there are other wines in Italy made in much better known regions that are getting all of the attention. And they just haven't gotten the kind of attention that places like like Tuscany have gotten for you know so many years. So it's cool to drink a Montepulciano d'Abruzzo that you could literally buy for ten or twelve dollars. That I think compares really favorably to wines that are fifty dollars or more. It depends on the producer here. And the other thing is when I look at some of the stories written about truly great wines for truly low prices, and be sure to check out the stories that are written by Sarah Schneider, who used to be on this show every single week, but then she moved on to the Rob Report, which is all about luxury things and we haven't been able to work together, but she's written lots of stuff about great wines at incredibly good prices. And so many of the wines I noticed that she writes about are wines from South America. And I can't overemphasize the fact that wines from Chile and Argentina are some of the best bargains on the planet. There are huge bargains coming from Portugal right now. There's just a lot of countries that are doing great things for not a lot of money. And so go exploring and you'll be very happy with what you find out there, okay? So I think it probably should be something that I take on to maybe point out more often where the great bargains are and then I can make everybody happy. So last thing I want to talk about is something that's really personal. I said I was going to share something personal to me and I'm sharing this for more than one reason, but what really got me thinking about it is that I was reading the other day that May 7th, which is coming up around the corner here, is National Neuropathy Day. Yeah, neuropathy. What's it got to do with wine? Well, I'll tell you. I have suffered with neuropathy for a good percentage of my adult life. The lion's share of people who have neuropathy, which is incredibly painful for some, and for me it definitely is, that the lion's share are diabetics. I'm not diabetic. I'm not even pre-diabetic. But I was talking to a friend last night on the phone who's in the hospital, not for neuropathy, but he's got a tremendously bad case of neuropathy. And knowing that this neuropathy week is coming up, I just made the decision that I was going to mention the relationship between alcohol and neuropathy and what I've personally had to do to make sure I don't injure myself 
or bring about pain that is unnecessary. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to give you advice other than to tell you what I do and what is helpful. But what we know from research is that alcohol, especially in high quantities, can really set off some terrible episodes of pain. But I want to be abundantly clear here. I'm not giving you medical advice. I can't do that. I can only tell you what my experience over years and years and years has been. And if what I do is helpful to you, then that's great. But don't do anything on my advice. There are some things that I can certainly say that are extremely helpful. If you're going to drink wine, drink a lot of water and keep yourself saturated with water. That will help immensely. Number two, I drink more lower alcohol wines than I did before and drink a lot more white wine and bubbly, even Moscatos that are extremely low in alcohol. Overdoing it is just plain not a great idea. I am definitely a person who is repelled by excessive drinking because where wine is concerned, it was never meant to be something to get plastered on. And I am not amused by people who drink too much. And I think you have to be super responsible about it. And one thing is for sure, I can't drink spirits. I like them a lot, but boy, they set off an enormous amount of pain right away for me. So I just don't do it. And I'm thinking that most people who are listening to me right now of the 20 million Americans that suffer from neuropathy, that probably a good percentage of you already know what I'm telling you. But maybe it's helpful for me to just remind you and to also let you know that there are 20 million of us out there who are in the same boat. And I don't want to see anybody in the kind of pain that I often suffer from. And so do the right things for yourself. And there's some other things I try not to drink late at night. If I go to bed with alcohol in my system, I feel it in the morning. And it's, you know, no different than getting intoxicated and waking up in the morning. You suffer. Alcohol has to be used responsibly. So forgive me for lecturing, but I really felt like after years and years and years of suffering, that maybe it's better to not sit behind this microphone and pretend like everything is important. We all got our stuff, gang, you know. We all deal with things, and this is one of the things that I deal with. I've made my choices. I'll drink wine, but when I'm judging a competition or going to a tasting, I'm going to spit because I just can't have that much in my system. I got to be super careful. By the way, if you smoke and you have neuropathy, please stop. It's the single worst thing that you can do to yourself. All right. uh, That's my little pep talk for the day. That's going to do it for Grape Encounters. And I hope some of this information today was helpful to you. And I sure appreciate your time. Thanks for being loyal listeners to the show. Are you following Grape Encounters on social media yet? You're not? Well, you should be. It's the best way to hear the latest, juiciest, unfiltered wine stories. It's also the single best way to keep our unpretentious, decidedly different wine conversations going strong. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Grape Encounters. For tons of content on Facebook, you'll want to join our Grape Encounters radio group page. Or if LinkedIn is more your thing, connect with me by typing Grape Encounters Radio or Grape Encounters David in the search bar. Here's the deal. 
The more you click, the more I'll pour.